Welcome to the My Tribe Podcast. Welcome back. This is our second episode. I couldn't be more excited. You know, as, as I said in the first episode, in the intro, so many of my relationships now are dependent on social media posts and hitting the like button and sending quick text messages. And the My Tribe Podcast is meant and hopefully intended to create long-form conversations between me and people that I love, people that I respect, people that have been very important in my life. Trying to use this podcast to get back to long-form conversations. And, you know, always going to be focused on memories, of course, but also focused on current life. And this week, I just couldn't be more excited. Uh, My guest this week is Pete Butler. He's been my friend since 1996. We're staring down our 25-year friendship reunion. Uh, but more importantly than that, I lived with him for six years, like directly lived with him for six straight years of my life. And that's a long time to live with someone. That's probably the most I'll live with anyone other than my family growing up and Della and my family now. So the relationship that Pete and I have is a very strong one. And it's been a very intense friendship, starting with six years of living together in a bunch of different places. He's like a brother to me in so many ways. And you'll see just by how long this podcast is, this is a long one, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, we're going to go in this podcast, we go through all the different places we live together. And in each phase, we sort of talk about the memories and the things we remember from that place where we live together. So we structure it using the different places we live together over those six years. I also want to give a huge shout out to Pete. We recorded this last week. And since then, he has been accepted into the University of Alabama's Doctorate of Social Work program. Uh, They had over 100 applicants. They took less than 20% into the program and just couldn't be prouder of my man, Pete. He's an incredible guy. He's incredible at what he does in in the world of social work. He's an incredible friend, just the best of the best. So without further ado, here's my conversation with my man, Pete Dogg. All right, so I'm here with my guest, my man, Pete Butler, Pete Dagg, P-E-T-E-D-A-G, as we used to call him. Um, hey, Pete, man, good to see you, and thanks for joining me. No problem. Good to see you, too, Tim. Um, so, obviously, um, as my introduction said, we have a long history, um, and we've been friends basically since 1996. We're, we're staring down our 25-year friendship reunion next year. Um, but uh, for this podcast, um, at least for the first part, I, I'm really thinking about those six years. We had six years where we lived together pretty much straight through for six years, which um, is pretty unique for a friendship. And uh, so I've, as I said to you, I kind of want to start, start to go through some of our memories sort of in, in chronological order. So I'm going to start with this. I mean, we met on a recruit. Let, let me let me let me put a claim out. My memory is not great. So correct me in anything that you've come up with. But we met on a recruiting trip um, up to Wheaton College for basketball. And I remember you um, asking, I remember asking you towards the end of that trip, would you want a room together? And we had hit it off. So I was pretty confident that it was a slam dunk. And, uh, and I, in my, remember, my memory is that you were like, mm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to think about that. I'm going to need to give it some thought, talk to coach and get back to you. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so exactly. So amazing recruiting visit, uh, hit it off. Could tell you'd be a good friend. 
met DeMille on that trip. Uh, he took us in for a, a nice, a nice time. And uh, yeah, I was new to the situation and I was like, I coach had told us to be wary of rooming with teammates. So I was very, I'm a very literal person. Yeah. I took that, not going to commit right away and I head back home, talk to nobody and then make a decision later. <laughs> I remember, I totally remember the feeling because I'm, I'm the opposite. Like when coach said, be weary, I just, I didn't even hear him. I just, I didn't care. Like once we hit it off, um, and at the time, I remember being like, what's up with this guy? Like, after all this, he's got us, he gives me a maybe. Um, but getting to know you over the last 24 years, obviously, it's something about you I love, which is like, you think things through. And, and now I respect the fact that you needed to think it through. And to be honest with you, I know I can come across as a lot as well. So you're probably like, I like this dude, but I don't know if I want to wake up in the same room as him every day. <laughs> oh, no, it's more on the long lines of somebody said something. I want to make sure they are okay with it. I'm very much, uh, you know, follow the rules, people pleaser. Let's go from there. Yeah. So anyways, we made the decision. We made the decision. And then we had a phone conversation that I remember uh, we, we talked about a lot. First of all, can I just say, was your home phone number 203-287-1707? It sure was. And oh. I know and I, I know yours was 413 Starman. Yeah, mine's easy, though, but that's still good. But I can't re believe I remember that number. Um, so I remember we had decided to room together. We started talking on the phone. We started talking about the room. And as everybody who knows me knows, I'm a bit of a nester. I like to really make a space my own. So I had all these plans for our room. And if I recall correctly, I came across a bit intense on the phone. <laughs> I remember going through who would bring what from the fridge to this, to that. And I remember you claims that you would bring the carpet. I should not worry about the carpet. The rug. Yes. I, I, I said, I got the rug. I had no plan for the rug. Um, and nor have I ever gone shopping, barely gone shopping anywhere in my life. Uh, so I told my mom, got to get the rug. Mom went out to Marshall's, picked up about a three, three by five. <laughs> almost like a, a kitchen mat uh, that you have over your sink and brought that confidently threw that down right in the middle of the, of the room. Took about a like postage stamp. So that was nice. <laughs> I, I feel like it was like a bath mat that you step out of the shower on. Correct. And you brought it as. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the carpet. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And that was that. Like, there was nothing I could do. You had brought the carpet. I brought the fridge. I brought a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but any other memories you have from the sort of beginning, the phone call, the, the recruiting trip, anything come to mind for you besides this stuff? Yeah, we, uh, one of the things I remember when I got back, you were, uh, you were into fashion. So I told all my friends that you were like the most fashionable dude I ever met. And we called you Timmy Hilfiger for a while. <laughs> I remember that now, so, yeah. Um, and then I got to know you and my friends, like, all he does is wear stuff from Gap. So I don't know what <laughs> Timmy figure is. But uh, so I remember that. But um, no, other than that, those early days, that was and then once we moved in, obviously, it was great. So. Yeah. So. All right. So phone call, recruiting trip and phone call. Stage one. Stage two. We move into Meadows East, room 304. 
the hotbed, the epicenter of the Wheaton College social scene, Meadows East. Um, so I got a lot of memories from there. Um, one of my first memories, other than the, the rug, was um, we had that, that the, the hallway had a dorm meeting, like the first night or the second night, and everybody on the hallway got together. And Wheaton was an eclectic <laughs> place. So like it was very different from room to room who was in each room. And I remember we had to go around and say what our interests were, what we were interested in studying. And if I recall correctly, you proudly announced to the entire hall that you were interested in math and physics. Yes. Big, <laughs> big time into math, physics, and science. Um, actually had to sign up for a, a seminar, freshman seminar at Wheaton. So you had to pick something. And I went ahead and picked uh, something along with, of, of an atom bomb, some serious science atom bomb scenario. So I, during my whole freshman year, I had to take this uh, seminar way over my head and we would visit, <laughs> we visit nuclear power plants. <laughs> I eventually, I'm a social worker now. So looking back, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, I also was planning on being an engineer and went ahead and did a little calculus, went ahead and got the old calculus degree, uh, first semester that went well, that ended up with a D plus, um, and landed me on academic probation. So, yeah, math and science, big time. Loved it. You set yourself up with that, man, because colleges know that, like, if people are going to take calculus as a freshman, then they're pretty serious people. So I, was, feel, uh, I feel like it was an 8.30 a.m. class. Oh, yeah, 8.30 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> yeah, it was so early. On your first year of independence, it's such an early time to have class. I remember, I remember that alarm going mm-hmm. off and that just being a daily struggle for you. Not only not only the alarm going off, but the days I actually did go to class, I left the alarm on by accident. So as I'm walking out of Meadows East, I hear because we're our window faced outside. I hear the alarm going off, and it's old school 1990s alarm, you know, just and you just swearing and angry because half the time I would just snooze it for about for about an hour and a half, end oh. up at nine o'clock, throw on my uh, those gray uh, no I had the green uh, plastic pants yeah. whatever those yeah, were the called. green warm-up pants yeah that, green warm-up that made the swoosh swoosh yeah. swoosh with every yeah. <laughs> probably double xl <laughs> oh i totally remember the alarm used to drive i'd be like can't you just either go to class or sleep in but not press snooze eight times no especially calculus. not on monday i'm definitely going monday so. calculus man calculus um the other things I remember, uh, well, staying on the thought of sleep, uh, I'll never forget this about you, that you arrived at college and it's, it's, a, it's a weird time for all of us and we're all dealing with this new uh, independence. And I remember in order to get to sleep at night, you had to listen to DOS effects yeah. as you were falling asleep. Yeah. On our stereo. Full blast. It was mostly more on the weekend nights for some reason. Oh. Um, so I love Daz effects. I actually listened to the other day just to like throw it back. They were pretty bad. They were uh, a couple nice songs, but other than that, they were pretty bad. I will never forget having to try to fall asleep while Daz effects is on because <laughs> I-, I was all in on rap, but Daz effects wasn't my favorite. They were, you know, I liked the song here or there once in a while. But they were the worst ever to fall asleep to. Yeah, I mean, very their, their music. 
<laughs> very aggressive, aggressive, very sporadic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not much of a routine or rhythm to it. Staccato, um, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So that was a real skill. I think, you know, I've been good at falling asleep ever since. I think you might have helped me with that. <laughs> um, another thing I remember, uh, so, the, so the other people that really entered our life that year were, uh, I really remember three people the most. That was Janu, Sekou, and Madden. Yeah. Um, so Janu and Sekou lived on the first floor of Meadows East. They obviously are still our friends today. They had gone to school together before Wheaton. Uh, they were there for track. Uh, so that just kind of was a friendship fit. And then there was Mad Dog. Uh, what are your first memories of Madden down the hall? Mad Dog, we used to walk by his room all the time. He was across the hall, maybe a few feet um, down the hall towards the restroom. And uh, we'd always walk by. He didn't talk. He would in, be in his room in barely any clothes playing Madden, just yes. nonstop Madden against the computer. Not was that Sega? Gen- was it Sega Genesis or was it? Or was it? No, yeah. that was a PlayStation. It was a PlayStation right. system. PlayStation right. One, I want to say. So, yeah, he would he would just play all the time. And I was, I played tons of sport video games. So I think eventually we got up the courage to ask him if he wanted to play. Um, we also, yeah, we also heard him. Uh, we also would listen to some noises from his room yeah, once in a yeah. while. Yes. Not nothing specific. Just yeah. Just we used to listening um, in on his. We were concerned, and um, (laughs) but uh, eventually we brought him into uh, our world of video games. Really, my world. I think you you weren't as much of a sport video game player as I was, and nor as competitive as I was because it was a big part of uh, self esteem for me for during those times. (laughs) I would just beat up on everyone, and uh, Mad Dog was not used to playing anyone other than the computer. Yes, so, that's uh, right. So that was right. It was kind of new for him that he was yeah. playing against us. And uh, yeah, and that's obviously why we named him Madden. But yeah, I had forgot about that, that we would see him playing that for hours. He would be, he'd be at the same time playing Motown music, mm-hmm. um, which was either really cool or really, really weird, depending on the day and the moment you heard him doing it. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was a big moment for us when we invited him in sort of across the hall and into our lair. And then, uh, and then we set up a league, right? I think it was just five. Oh, yeah, that was our first, that was our first league that led it eventually led into NBA live, our first yeah. real NBA live league. Yeah. Um, and so with, yeah, I remember Sekou, was he the Cowboys? <laughs> I, I think Sekou was the Cowboys. Cow- Sekou always hated it, especially if he lost. Yeah, he would just yeah. swear and leave. <laughs> um, I remember Janu kind of like felt like it felt like he was so at home just sitting playing video games in our yeah. room. Uh, dork knew there was a yeah, dork knew that Seiku invented. That was more for playing uh, Tomb Raider, Laura Croft. Yeah, the individual video games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a big part of getting situated at college. Was me, you new coup and mad dog playing madden sort of gave us a i feel like it gave us an anchor in our day i feel like we would play every day at like 12 oh, yeah. one after eating like fifteen thousand calories at chase rounds <laughs> come back uh so I, I i definitely remember that um i remember too um both that year and the in the following year that we would often it was so weird having um the bathrooms that had girls and boys in them so we would 
try to time it up so that when we really had to use the bathroom, like four boys, four, four guys would go at the same time to just yeah. take, take up every stall. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that is a weird dynamic that only college can provide. Um, and then, you know, what was, what didn't seem like a big moment at the time, freshman year in Meadows East, but which now was such a cool moment is, do you remember the night uh, Maddie and Myrick came to our room Yes. And knocked on the door. I remember Maddie had on a backpack with backpack. beers. Yep. Shoulder Which you strap, hated. I think. You, you hated. There's a couple of things I learned that you hated. You hated backpacks with beers. Wasn't You weren't really a fan of that, if I recall. You hated watches. You killed watches. It's, I like watches now. Big watch yeah. now. Yeah, I've, I'm back into watches like the last five or ten years. But you literally destroyed the watch for me for a decade of yes. my life. You hated I don't know why. I just hated it. <laughs> You hated watches. But uh, yeah, Maddie and Myrick show up, knock on our door. They're like totally friendly to us. If I, so uh, whatever, in my memory, I was semi-friendly to them. And you were kind of like behind me being even a little less friendly, just being like, who are these guys? <laughs> and they were there to tell us that they had lived in our room. Exactly. As freshmen, right? Uh, I think I was more, I was more recluse than anything else. All right, recluse. Yeah, you were. And you were tall. So when you were being recluse, it was a big moment for others because <laughs> you're, you're tall. Um, and I don't think we hung out with them. I don't think we like no. invited them in. Did we even invite them in? We might have. We might have had. We might have enjoyed our. I don't know. I'm not sure if we did. But it was definitely Maddie and Myrick who became some of our best friends. That was wild. Uh, so freshman year, Meadows East, room 304. Anything else stand out for you? Or are we going to stage three? Well, I think it's – you got to go into the, the thinking couch a little bit. Um, yes. Yeah, thinking couch. I, I, uh, I, fell, I, fell, I fell for a young lady and uh, didn't go well. Uh, and, but I, I had a couch. I had to think about it for hours each day. Um, yes. Got to spend a lot of time with her, but overall, most of my time was spent on the thinking couch, thinking yeah. about what could have been, what would be, <laughs> and that uh, that led to some low a uh, low GPA, one point yeah. eight. <laughs> yeah, you spent more time on the thinking couch than you did in a lot of your classes. <laughs> and it was more of a, it wasn't even a full couch if I remember. It was a more of a love seat type couch, okay. and so I was never comfortable on it either, which was perfect. Um, but I remember, you know, you've always had the ability to dedicate yourself to sort of whatever you feel like you need in that period of life or that time in your life. Like you're good in a, in a very positive way at focusing and dedicating, identifying and then dedicating yourself to structures that work. And you're right. Freshman year, the thinking couch was really important. Yeah. It's a good really couch important. for a while. It helped me and, and I had to move on. <laughs> I had to move on. <laughs> all right so after freshman year we both go home for the summer so we have a little gap in our cohabitation um then we come back and we have really moved up in the world we've moved from meadows east to meadows north <laughs> which is a big just step a, up just a real quick nugget of my summer that summer yeah yeah um, what do you got i worked uh my my job was working part-time at a library uh, book binding and uh, lifting weights. 
and I would lift weights and do creatine in the bathroom um, to get to get fit. But yeah, I remember I remember talking to you that summer, and and you were. It seemed to me that you were working like a couple hours a day, and then About you were twenty working. to twenty five hours a week. Yeah, and I was working like ten hours or more a day. Yeah, I just remember being so. And then you were just getting diesel. I totally remember that. Uh, the creatine and your mom making you eggs in the morning yeah. or something po- like that. poached eggs. Poached eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you had a system and you were focused on it. Yeah, let's go. It worked for that summer. Um, yeah. So we get back to Meadows North. I don't even remember what floor we were. Do you remember what floor we were? I think it was second floor. I think it was, there was definitely some people above us and below us. I couldn't remember mm-hmm. if it was second or third. Um, so we move in that year. Um, first things first, your summer paid off. You show up back to school and you are absolutely jacked. You look like a different human. Um, and you let us all know that. You let us all know that. Yeah. Shirt became optional in the dorm. Shirt, shirt was optional. A lot of laundry. Get a lot <laughs> of laundry and a shirt on. <laughs> If you did go shirt, it was often a tank top. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? You deserved it. You had worked hard, and it had uh, it had paid off. Um, the thing I remember a lot about sophomore year is how uh, Janu lived down the hall from us, right? Yeah. He was on our floor. Sekou was gone to Pittsburgh, um, and Janu lived down the hall. Did he live down the hall the whole year? I think so. There? Yeah. It was on the cor- on the on the corner. For yeah, when he first came up, and he had a roommate, but somehow he ended up with a single. Somehow the roommate left, but he yeah, <laughs> I don't he got know. a big single. He got a big <laughs> single down the hall. Um, so we still had Janu. Uh, I think Madden was Madden. Madden was below us. Yes. So I think you're right. We were second floor. Madden was first floor. That makes sense. So he was still right there with us. But then we added some new people to the mix. Um, yeah. We added one, and we'll we'll focus on the fun we had. We we added one David George, yes. who lived next lived next door. Freshman, right? He was a freshman. He was a freshman. I think he was our age. He had had a little bit of an adventure at UVM, and then came to Wheaton to play soccer. That's right. So he lived next door with Jared, and then uh, and then obviously sophomore year, one of the our best friends came into our our, our life, <laughs> which was Yergs, Chris yes. Jordison. Christian Jordison. Um. So, so Jurgs and I were back to school a couple of days early because we were we were what were called whams. We were Wheaton athletic <laughs> mentors. Yes, you were, and I was, um, and you were not. And that was I don't remember what that entailed, but I do remember it included like a two day training before everybody else was back on campus. So I, I'll never forget Jurgs. Um, during those two days, I had put a recliner chair in our room. I had set our room up the way I, I thought it would should work. Mm-hmm. And I had put a reclining chair and one day he comes back. No one else is on campus yet. Sits in the reclining chair and says, oh, I guess this will be my chair for the year. Yeah. And we weren't really close friends with Yergs yet. Uh, we knew him from basketball, but he wasn't in the inner circle. And he made that pronouncement. And uh, fair to say, I don't think he left our room that year except to sleep. He did not. He also, if I remember correctly, he had a, he had a stud earring, I believe. <laughs> he had a really bad earring. Yurgs have an earring. Yeah. Speaking of I which, can't... actually, you had earring, and I actually got my pierce, my ear pierced in a mall. Yep. With you on a mall trip, I still yep. have the hope. Sometimes people will see the hole. It's like you had an earring. I said, "Yep, sure yep. did." Stud. Yeah, I started with just the left, 
and I think because I looked up to Dela, I think Dela had two. And so I think I, I went to the double. I for I at one point had two earrings. Yeah, like right before it became like okay for dudes to do that. <laughs> yeah. Little known fact. Uh, I definitely did not remember Jurgs had one. Um, so Jurgs started living with us, except that he would go home to sleep. Georgie started living with us. At first he would go back to his room to sleep, and then he stopped going back. He slept on that navy blue couch I brought from my Cape house, the, the sleeper couch, which weighed 400 pounds. <laughs> and the sleeper was terrible, yeah. so we never opened it. Um, but I, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Georgie was with us all the time. He was. He slept there. He woke up there. He napped there. Yeah. Um, so I remember that year. Well, and then the third person that ended up living with us was Della. Um, who came in that year. She lived in a different part of Meadows, but then she had a roommate issue, moved in with Jill Baker next door to us. Uh, Jill Baker, thankfully, got a boyfriend. Della started hanging out over in our room. And then uh, her, her, you, her, and I were really close friends uh, for a while yeah. before Della and I became uh, together at all. So point of all that is what was you and I living alone together in Meadows East. By the time we got to Meadows North, we kind of had five people living in a two person room. Exactly. That was, yeah. And that was, it was great. Uh, lots of video games for me. Um, yeah. But it, that was a lot of people in that one room. I remember that you and I had to listen to a lot of movies that we didn't feel like watching. So if freshman year, I learned how to fall asleep with DOS effects on. Sophomore year, I learned how to fall asleep with the big Lebowski playing as Georgie and Yurgs debated some minor detail about the movie exactly. deep into the yeah. hours of the night. Lots of VHS watching. Uh, me trying to, get in, trying to get into it, even starting to buy my own VHSs just to fit in. <laughs> to fit in with Yurgs. Um, I remember one time calling Yurgs from, <laughs> from a mall probably some some like from strawberries or something and said they had to they had to run on all these VHSs. I had to call them to make sure which movies I got were okay. Um, so, Do you remember any of them? I, I, I vaguely remember that. Do you remember any of the movies that you're talking about? No, but one was, uh, oh, it was a war movie. I forget what it was called though. Uh, it's pretty bad. So yeah. Let me, so, let me guess. He told you to buy all of them. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine why. Yeah. And the other movie that struck for you that year, I believe, was that year was Titanic. Hit hit theaters that year. <laughs> yes. What are your early memories of Titanic <laughs> when it hit theaters? Yeah. Well, I didn't like the movie. Let me say that. Okay. <laughs> I had another, I had a breakup and uh, I was supposed to go see that movie with, with the, uh, with the old ball and chain before it ended. Is that and, really uh, what happened? I don't remember that. Yeah. It was connected to a breakup. Yeah. All right. All right. Sorry. Keep then going. Proceeded to say, I think I saw it three times in theater. It might've been four, but we'll go with three for this video, for this interview. Yeah. My, mem my memory was that you saw it twice in theaters in the first five or six days it was out. 
<laughs> and then I, I I I think you're correct. I think you saw it a third time the following week. In yeah, because it was in it was around Christmas time. I remember seeing it when I got home. Okay. Um, just you know, just to throw it back. Just to share. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, the another another memory that came up for me. Maybe you could explain it a little better. And I, and I try to explain this every year that I'm coaching high school basketball, and I can never do it any justice is I think sophomore year, I think that was when we invented the free throw one-on-one game in practice. Sure did. What was that game? What do you remember? So the free, free throw one-on-one game. So we weren't very serious. In a weird way, we weren't very serious with basketball. You were more serious, but you had the ability to kind of be casual about it, but be serious at the same time. You also were playing. So I wasn't playing a lot, neither was yours. So I think it was more, we invented a game. We used to get to do two-man free throws and or, in a great day, do three-man free throws for like yeah. 25 minutes. That's right. So we invented some game where, God, I don't even remember all the details, but it was some game where you, after you shoot, we let the person do a layup, and whoever was next got to play defense, but they weren't allowed to use any of their arms, only their chest, to constantly and just – destroy the other person with their chest while the other person tried to do the try to do a layup and we'd always try to do it fast enough so we didn't get caught doing it um but just and i was just an awful free throw shooter still am uh about 40 percent no concentration at all no ability to, to to have a rhythm or anything but that game got us through many many awful practices two and a half three hour practices but <laughs> I'll never forget just chesting people. And then I think we had a system where you could call a foul, but then the other person got to be the referee, but no foul, no foul. <laughs> so you're, you're, I totally forgot the chess part. So the things I remember are you, you, you couldn't get caught playing one-on-one. So it had to be a quick move mm-hmm. and it had to look semi, not like you were doing anything for real, right? Both the offense and the defense. Yeah. Number two, if the defense t- even tipped or tapped the offense with a hand or a finger, if there was, a- you're right, if your limbs made yeah. any contact with them, it was a foul in nah, one. Nah, done, nah, done yeah. foul. And there was nothing better than like you hitting yours with the tip of your finger and yeah. you're just foul, devout. <laughs> and so he'd get a point. Uh, but I had totally forgot the chess part. You're right. I think that was because you were such a good defender that even in a fake game, you had to play good defense. Yes, so you stare right at, was, right at the waistline. Yeah, 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 so your body would get in the way, and you would just destroy me in the game because I would get called for charges or bumping into you. Um, and, I, and I remember, like, the quiet arguments that we would have during the game where, again, we, nothing could be catchable by the coaches, but it was so intense to us winning that game was life or death. We, we also did with – I feel like when it was a two-man – First of all, the other the, the third who couldn't do it was pissed. Yes. The me, you, and yours who wasn't paired up with each other. But then I remember when we weren't able to do the game, we also did some weird thing where when it was your layup time, you literally just like you weren't allowed to do anything. You just your whole body would you have to make your whole body stiff and you would just walk up to the to the layup and just try to shoot it with no no elbow or arm or leg movements. You had to Nothing. shoot it as awkwardly as possible to try to make it. I think that was another a point system, uh, which which I could not do, and you could do fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I should just get owned. Uh, um, two more. Well, before we go to phase four of our living, uh, two more basketball memories I have. One is, again, Jurgs. It's the famous moment when it was Christmas practice. I think it was freshman year. We didn't really know him that well yet. And he came back for, like, we were living on campus. And I think he may have still been going back and forth to Plymouth. Uh, and he was like 20 minutes late for a practice with coach Blake of all people. Uh And he comes in and me and you like in our innocent way, we're like, Oh my God, he's dead. Chris is dead. He's so dead. He's, I can't believe how's he just going to walk in. He's so dead. And like, we were like, Chris, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you so late? And he just looked at us dead face and we're just like, what's he going to do? Bench me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and it it blew you and I had to like digest it for like a full day mm-hmm. for us it was life or death what Blake thought of us and for Jurgs, we were like six games in he hadn't played and he couldn't have cared any less what yeah. Blake thought I also think he was probably on the the stationary bike for the 40th time in a row <laughs> due to ankles poor ankles <laughs> and then uh the other memory I have of hoops I I feel like it was I feel like this was a big moment in my life in terms of my self-concept was our first practice freshman year and in my head I may have made this up but we sort of like you and I sort of discussed it at that point we were like there wasn't anything we weren't discussing and we knew when that first practice ended that we were either going to shower at the gym or we were going to go back to our dorms to shower and I remember thinking like it's gotta be, it's gotta be the first practice because if you try to, if you try to start showering later on, it'll be too big of a deal. Whereas if you shower that first time, then you're just part of the shower crew. And I remember thinking that, I remember talking to you about it. What are we going to do? I remember thinking, um, I don't want to spend the next four years going back to my dorm to shower, like adding this whole layer of process to, to this already four hour basketball practice. And, uh, I totally remember we, we finally made the decision. We were just going to do it. We were just going to do it. And I think of nine freshmen. I don't recall any other freshmen doing it. I think it was just you and I. Yeah, because I remember – yeah, I remember being really nervous because in high school, we no one showered. There was no – Yeah, no. Any, God, no. E, no. Nothing. So we had just had to, like, bite the bullet and do it. And it ended up being the best because you showered for, like, half hour or whatever. And, just, and then we would just walk home, like – Every it was awesome. It was like yeah. the best way to end it. I remember Daylight used to put all his clothes on, yeah. just full yeah. sweat, nasty. Um, and then just like him and Lloyd would actually Lloyd I think showered, but um just yeah, a few other dudes didn't want to do it. And uh no, it was it was perfect perfect and then once you once you yeah, it's it was great walking home afterwards being clean. Yeah, more guys joined us from our class, but I, I swear in the beginning it was just us. And uh, it was, you're right, it was so refreshing. It also helped us get close with the, uh, the older dudes because, uh, you know, there'd be such banter in there. And you're right, you'd be in there for a half hour just chilling, yeah. uh, which probably led to us um, getting in the back of that van. I believe I sat on top of the luggage in the way back for a drive from mm-hmm. Norton to Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach, yep. Yep. I had a pit uh, stop in Jersey City. Um, that's right, yes. 
And I also, I still remember this on the, I, I had one, one of my shifts on the way back. I literally was in and out of sleep half the time. <laughs> driving? So, driving back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think you flew, you flew home on that trip back. I flew home because I got some infection. Sick. Yeah. Um, couldn't talk. I remember playing a round of golf with you. You weren't able to speak at all. <laughs> able to speak. Your whole face, your whole neck and face like a bullfrog. I remember you brought me to the airport because I went to the, I went to the emergency room in Florida. I couldn't swallow even my own saliva. Yeah. And they thought the best solution would be to give me pills, <laughs> which I couldn't even swallow my own saliva. So that was just terrible healthcare. But then you brought me to the airport to help me get my flight. And they, they sniffed it out and they started to realize I was really sick. Yes. Cause I spoke for you. Yes. Yes. And right. you couldn't, you couldn't, you were not, you've never been good at straight up lying. <laughs> so like you were like cornered, like a bad witness. You're like, well, no, he's a little sick. He's a, but no, he can't, no, he's all right. And then like, I remember I had to talk. I, I could barely utter a word yes. and I had to be like, no, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I just, he's here to help me. And, uh, <laughs> that's how I got on the flight. Uh, so I wasn't able to join you on the drive home. Mm. Um, but I do appreciate you getting me to the airport. Uh, and I, I should give a shout out. I do appreciate Josh Lobel who invited me on that trip. And then yes. as soon as we got to our hotel announced that I would be shaving his back. Yes, uh, shave his back. Josh Lobel also proceeded to, to receive two nipple rings on that trip. <laughs> at, a, at a nightclub. <laughs> at a nightclub? Yeah. Went, oh, ahead, went ahead and got double piercings. I don't remember that. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, that was a tough spring break for me. I was in over my head, five, six and a half. I looked like I was 14 and I was at Daytona beach. Just wasn't. It's also, um, it's also a time I, I tried out a, a move on the dance floor where each, each night I wore a different college shirt. That's right. To pretend I was from UCLA to big schools, <laughs> big schools. Everybody, oh yeah, got here from UCLA. You uh, Texas and. It was great. I think you told them. I think you told somebody you played basketball at UCLA, didn't you? Uh, probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. You, you had good. You you snooze on your own game. You had good like bar and nightclub game, and it wasn't just height. You height helped, but you had game as well. I give you credit for wearing a lot of different college shirts. That yeah. took guts. I took guts. It was those college shirts that in the nineties where it was just like one side, like on the left lapel was the was the college, on the back was a massive, <laughs> awful picture of the college. <sighs> Nothing centered in the front. I love that when you were packing, you probably had that idea. <laughs> exactly. <while you> <laughs> I had four different schools <laughs> for each night. <laughs> I'd say it's good strategy. It's real good strategy. All right, so that was a little aside into basketball. Stage four would be our first year at White House. So we moved in, we applied for, and we got accepted to have the first all-male athlete house, um, male pretty much all-male athlete house, and it was Men's Issues House, men's right issues. in the middle of Wheaton College's campus, <laughs> in yeah. between the dining hall and the bookstore lived the 15 of us. Um, and I remember that... Um, I had to do, you know, fine. I had to do a lot of the work to get that house. And when we got the house, <laughs> there was a lot of singles in that house. But in order to make everybody say yes to the house and everything work out correctly, I didn't get a single that first year. Um, Correct. 
but me and you got the best double. <laughs> With like the, the, the one of the rooms was like had like windows. It was almost like a like a little, I don't even know what you'd call it, but it was like a back room almost with, with all windows. Yeah, it was a th- I, I believe we'd call it a three-sided porch. Okay, yeah, one, like one a porch, of, one exactly. Of, yeah, one of the porch. bedrooms yeah. was all windows, all windows. And to get to that of the two bedrooms, you had to walk through the other bedroom, which Correct. I believe had zero windows except a window to the other bedroom. <laughs> And I forget, I know, I know at one point I lived in the back porch. Did we switch at some point or did I always have the back porch? Nope. The, so first we had to get everybody happy in their rooms to make White House work. And then when you and I got the weird double, then you and I had to negotiate and we decided we would each take, we would semester. switch halfway through the year. Okay. Yeah. So we did a semester and then we switched and did the opposite the second semester, um, which was uh, fine, because we were so close. But at that point, it was getting weird to sort of walk through the other guy's room. Yes. <laughs> and we were both in relationships during that, during, for parts of this time, so. I was with Della uh, yeah. that that entire time. And yeah. uh, and you had a girlfriend for a lot of it. Um, so that was weird. Uh, but that was, that was a good room setup. It was a good, I feel like for you and I, it was a good next phase. We were still yep. more connected to each other. Than we were the other guys in White House, but we still—I didn't have to hear DOS effects when I was falling asleep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, weirdly, that became a really good uh, next phase, I think. Uh, yeah, you brought it up. You brought up this is when video games, which were a huge part of our life at that point, went from one level to a whole different level. Uh, this was the first year of the full-on NBA live. Uh, league and draft what do you remember just the greatest night of anyone's life i remember we were i was the uh, minnesota timberwolves uh, i had a back-to-back champion coming into the draft uh just a so, fr- of- so we had done it freshman and sophomore year yes so you yeah. were back-to-back coming in and but this if i'm if i'm right the league like tripled in size or yes i think we went to about 15 or so okay. 16 teams about four of the teams, people did not want to do it. I remember Myrick specifically, Maddie barely, I think, wanted to do it, but Myrick hated it. I believe uh, Myrick was the quick. Seattle Supersonics. Yes, yes. He was had he an the... awful first pick, whatever he did. But that <laughs> night was amazing. And, and uh, yeah, NBA Live was able – you were able to draft your own guys, create your own teams. And uh, so then we just – it was just wonderful. Um, but that's also where people got to know me as – kind of uh not the most fun to play against because i usually would win um and i I would not be nice about it so um i I think myra quit about 10 games into the season and then he either tried to trade everyone he had Ewing. i remember he had patrick ewing i think oh that's right maybe he was the knicks he might have been no no mel was always the knicks wasn't he? yeah that's right mel was yeah somehow he had patrick ewing or something or any anyways he hated it but uh, that's that year I actually lost the championship uh, to David George due to uh, Yergs doing the doing the garbage trade where he, I think he traded Shaq to him for some some old Celtic player. Uh, yeah, or, or, or an old Duke player was that? Yeah, the year? Duke, Leitner. It might have been Leitner. Was that the year Yergs traded everybody to get the Duke squad? Correct. After he sucked so bad that yeah he the ruined sh- it. Yeah, that Shaq trade was completely unacceptable. 
yeah, it was out of out of control. And I still almost beat. I think I lost in seven games. Um, game seven. And I believe it was late at. I believe the trade was made like late at night, like shady, like Yergs and Doc yeah. were drinking natty lights and yeah. like concocted this plan to take you down. If I'm not it was mistaken, brutal. Yeah, it was it was complete mutiny and. It was uh, complete. That's the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, so they they were coming at me. It was a scandal. It was a scandal, and it worked. Utter scandal. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'll never forget the night. I I, I was only – I was like the epitome of average player. Yeah, Um, you were like always a six to eight seed. Yeah, yep. And I I, I was the Sacramento Kings, which was an average franchise at the time, so it fit well because I would would protect Mitch Richmond, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Or or was I the Celtics, and I would draft Mitch Richmond? I don't know. but anyways, I remember the draft was the best time. So number one, the week before the draft, I believe I may have been the only league member that still went to class. I feel oh, yeah. like almost everybody else just dove into sporting news and all those magazines. Yes, the, yes, the magazine. We had, yeah, we had to have the draft before the game came out so that we couldn't base our draft on the rankings on in the, the rankings, game. Yeah. So we had to predict the rankings in the game to do our draft. Um, I've never seen something shut down like academics in White House the week leading into the NBA live yes. draft. I used to take my I used to take my magazines to class. Yeah. I was in sophomore year after being on Act Pro, I had to take some easy classes. So I would take it to like a philosophy class and just study it the whole time. Um, and create my own list. I had all the I had like a whole notebook for it. Yes, yes you did. Yes, you did. Um and then I'll never forget, we just talked about this the other night on the Zoom, but when Madden stepped up, so I remember I videotaped the draft. I need to find that someday. Um, but Madden stepped up. He had like the sixth pick in the first round. He was wearing a shirt and tie, which was unheard of in, in yes. college. And he announced at the podium that he was selecting Loy Vaught. Vaught, sixth pick. And we all made a bunch of noises. And then he proceeded to tell us about all of Lloyd Vaught's work for charity, as well as the <laughs> fact that he played the violin and he would fit in perfect on the Madden squad. Exactly. I've never seen, I've never heard <laughs> anything like that. Never to this day. Um, yeah. And I, I do, I can't stress enough that you deserve that title. I don't care. Yeah. Yurts just took control of that uh, in a way only Yurts can. Um so, all right, that brings us to stage five, which was a gunquit. We lived for that summer in a gunquit above La Pizzeria. Uh, Della lived with Wendy at Wendy's house. Me and Wheels lived in the back room. I'm finding a theme here. I never really got the best room anywhere we lived. <laughs> that was always your angle, though. You'd always, yeah. you'd always, you had the bigger, you had the bigger picture in mind. Yeah. So you knew you only could talk us chumps into coming if you sacrificed another part of it yeah and i did i i think you're right i think i i didn't mind bad rooms because a bigger picture um so and then you and yurgs lived in that front room which is one of the most classic rooms uh, in a gunkwit maine just an app i lived in it multiple summers after that it's a classic room uh what do you remember from that summer great summer um yeah so <clears throat> i remember I remember going on the visit there and to the pizza shop and you talking to the, the, the pizza boys trying to get a job. 
and us kind of sitting in the back like we neither none of us spoke i think it was it might have just been me and yours with you it was Della too Della was oh Della there. too yeah. yeah but yeah you guys talked me and yours just kind of kicking rocks behind you um and then we were both yours and i were pissed that we didn't get offered a, a wait a waiter job for some reason <laughs> so i slid right into pizza making um and really, really got good at it. I could still throw dough in the air. Nice. Um, came up with a tip tip jar system before they were popularized. <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, <laughs> talked my way into wait they let, to waiting tables. I said, I'm ready for it. Um, so they gave me an afternoon shift one day and probably had about maybe three tables. Once the third table came through, I was done. I couldn't remember <laughs> anything. I'd written way too much stuff down. I wasn't bringing drinks. I didn't quit on the job, but one, I, once I survived that third table, I, 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 was, I told him I'm done. I said, <laughs> I can't do this. The tips are great. I don't even remember. I, just, I remember trying to write stuff down on three different things, three different pieces of paper, and having no shot at any of, any of it getting correct. And then having, if anyone was upset at all, I, would just, I was just nervous. So <laughs> I, I happily went right back to pizza making. <laughs> So, so I do remember that first conversation when we were trying to get jobs and I, I, I have the same memory of you. I, I remember me and Andrew having a conversation about the living arrangements, the jobs, you know, and he and I were sort of the ones talking. I remember you and Jurgs on one side of the deck, Gennaro on the other side of the deck, and you just were having a, just like a staring contest at each other. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't talking and you guys weren't talking and then i actually remember della della like i was like over talking she was like i'll wash dishes i'll do anything i'll clean the floor i'll do anything oh, wow. and i was like stop i was like the money is in waiting tables like we're not here to do the dishes you yeah know you I had like, it all planned out you knew yeah, what, i was knew trying what the to get her to, was. yeah i was trying to get her to stop talking because she was costing herself money by saying she would do anything uh <laughs> That was a great, uh, legendary conversation. You had a big part in that, though, because I remember as we were trying to find a place to live and work, you were the one that as we walked down that stairwell in between Maxwell's and the pizzeria, we had just looked at the rooms, or maybe we were walking up, but you fell in love with that stairwell. And you're like, this is, this is where we got to live. This is, like, this is the stairwell we're supposed to walk down every morning uh, into this summer of fun. Um, I remember you saying that and I remember then being like, I totally agree. Uh, and it, it went from there. Yeah. It was um, amazing. That, that, that stairwell was like amazing. I think I, I remember watching Saved by the Bell, the summer seasons. That was my vision of, uh, what was it, what the summer was going to be like. Nice. Um, I also remember that both you and I knew we couldn't just work in a restaurant at that point. We were both so into, sort of the education, the kid thing. So we both oh, set out to get counselor, camp counselor jobs. Oh. So if I recall correctly, I scored a great job at the Agunquit Summer by the Sea day camp where I would work every day from about 7.30 to 3.30. I, got, I walked there. It was about a 30-second walk from where we were. I spent my day in Agunquit with all the hotel owners' kids having fun. And every afternoon we went to the beach um you also got a camp job do you, do you remember much about your camp job oh my god it's so funny you said it. 
I just did about five face rubs because I think about the one part of the job. So I, <laughs> I somehow remember just cold calling places. Um, you know, it was barely internet stuff. So I remember cold calling and I found a job in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I forget how long of a drive that was. About 20, 25 minutes. Okay. And part of my job was like general camp counselors type stuff. But then I either got a promotion or they like offered me to run a basketball camp from about, oh, from about literally like 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. to like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I think it was just for a week. And <laughs> I absolutely hated it. I could not figure out anything to do. I couldn't come up with a schedule. I couldn't keep their attention. I was, I think I had about 15 kids, just me, um, in an outdoor court. And it still brings me nightmares thinking about, even today, if I had to run a camp, I would vomit every day. Um, because I just absolutely hated it. I don't think it lasted long. And that's when I started working more of the pizza stuff. But, oh, my God, that I literally just thought about it two days ago. Like, if I had to come up with a with a, a itinerary oh god well, i remember we have built like our summer by the sea dream like like you said our saved by the bell summer or whatever and then you announced that you got a job in portsmouth new hampshire <laughs> that you need to be at you had to be there crazy early like yeah. seven so in this summer of like working late at night at the pizzeria and then staying up late afterwards. I mean, you would consistently bang out like three to four hours of sleep and then drive to the job yeah. in Portsmouth. Yes. <laughs> oh, and it would all, I remember so many nights where it was just weighing on you that you had to go oh, to that job again. God. I would try to, I would always have a notebook at night trying to come up with the itinerary and then just like vomit. And then just want to vomit. Oh, Oh, that was classic. Um, and before we go to the next phase, I do need to reiterate what you said, that you were one of the original originators of the tip cup, the tip jar. Yes. And and it was unbelievable to watch you at work. They would Someone would come up to the counter. It was like we were in a, a pizzeria in, in New York. Someone would come to the counter and say to you, can you toss the dough in the air? Can you toss the dough in the air? And you got a picture like, kids on vacation with their parents yeah. like everybody's happy they look at you can you toss dough in your air you toss dough in your and you would look back at them deadpan just yep. just a pete butler no emotion look and you would say can you put a tip in the jar i think i even i think i have a bad i think i literally said got a dollar got a dollar <laughs> you got a dollar straight faced and then they and would boom, right on cue i would do it kept a straight face yeah, and kept moving, yeah. just for and the then, fun of it there would be such an awkward moment where they'd be like, is this guy serious? And you wouldn't throw it in the air. And then no, they would just stare, be, just stare <laughs> down, just, just, just twisting that, that dough. They'd be nervous, put a dollar in and then you would send it up. And every night you would, you would count up the dollars you made. <laughs> me and Yuri's. Yeah. Cause eventually Yuri's joined me back there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh God. That was a great summer. That was a great summer. All right. Three phases left. That brings us to White House year two. Um, this was the first time in four years of our friendship that we didn't cohabitate or cohabitat, whatever. Um, I got that year, I got what I thought was the best room in the house, Nick Lorch's single. 
Uh, it's a okay. big room. You and Yurgs both got singles, and they had a connected bathroom, bathroom in yeah. a shared shared bathtub. Uh, I recall you had a bathtub. I can't remember if you guys used to use really? it, but you did no. have like an old school bathtub. Um, in senior year, is about as much fun as we ever had. Um, but for us, it was a different year. It was the first time we weren't connected day to day automatically. Um, we had some ups and downs in our relationship, more ups, more ups. Um, and we certainly came out of that. Uh, by the end of the year, we were, our friendship was stronger than ever. Um, but looking back for me, it made sense um, because we had had such an intense friendship for so long. Um, you know, there was, I act like we had space. I mean, you lived two doors down from me, <laughs> but for, mm -hmm. for the scale of us having space, we did have space from each other. Um, and then, you know, everything that comes with that year, all the whiffle ball, all the parties, uh, the world was put back right again when you won the NBA live title, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Over Schleeman. Uh, over Schleeman, who was good. Yeah, Spurs. He was good. Um, if he had dedicated a little bit more time, a little bit more focus, he may have <laughs> he been able to. He played so many. He played like three times more games. We had the little tally mark uh, <laughs> poster board up. He played close to, I think, that season. Because we had a weird system where you could play as many games as you wanted. Yep. Uh, it wasn't like a set schedule. I think he played close to 150 games regular season. Yeah. So he was the one seed. I was the two seed. Uh, but yeah, anyways. And your thumb. I mean, let's not forget your thumb. You The thumb on your right hand, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a hammer. sucked into a vacuum cleaner or something? No, I was born this way. My other finger was sucked into a vacuum cleaner. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, plastic surgery. Um, not a good job. But my thumb was just born kind of like a, kind of like a big toe. And so I was able to manipulate the the different the, the buttons on us i was almost could control two buttons at once with the old thumb so yeah you were really uh really good by senior year i was still in the league i still enjoyed the draft but i i knew i knew i wasn't winning any titles so i think i did just enough to get by uh one, I, one more little nugget from the, the summer this the summer uh before senior year I decided to move in with Janu in his house in, in Malden or Medford. Um, and that was the summer after senior year, I think. No, that was the summer. That was the summer before senior year because the Gungwit, our first Gungwit was before junior year. No, I don't think so. It was our first Gungwit was definitely before senior year because we knew Maddie and Myrick and them when we, when we went to a Gungwit and we only knew them because we had lived with them junior year. I no. believe you worked. It was a, it was the summer it was no because it was uh it was I was summer. good at basketball junior year because I worked the camp circuit all summer and focused on my game. And then I was not as good senior year because we had spent the summer in a gunkwit playing barely any basketball. Oh oh you know what you're right. It was sophomore year I did the Janu thing anyway. Okay. Yeah, it was you're right. So the sophomore between junior year just real quick snippet. I decided to move with Jean, into Janu's house in the basement. Um and Never lived anywhere else in my house, so I had all my mail transferred there. Um, and I would used to make phone calls to my girlfriend at the time, and then his his dad would have to have talks with me because there was no <laughs> cell phones, so we had landlines. So I was getting calls at like one in the morning, and so he had to sit me down in the in the kitchen a few times and tell me that it wasn't appropriate. Um, I then caught a massive case of mono and had to move home for the rest of the summer. So. Uh, 
I was, uh, as you got better at basketball, I was almost really, I was pretty awful the next junior year. Although you did become the backup center junior year. Yes, that's when I became backup center, convinced myself I was a post player at 6'1". And played about, I went back and looked at some stats recently, played about seven minutes a game, so. Yeah. But I I remember you being very happy about those seven minutes a game that year. I convinced myself it was the most important position player on the team. Yeah, well, yeah, you you knew it was important, and I, I remember you sort of, being excited by having that specific role backing up Justin Lefkowski yes. at the center spot. Um, memories of senior year. I, the one that comes to mind for me that I'll never forget is senior week when Maddie and Myrick and JP and those guys showed up unannounced at White House um, with a case of champagne. Do you remember yep. that? Yeah. And I, I remember being like, I thought that was like the nicest gesture um, that they were thinking of us because they understood how fun, but how weird that week was. Um, I remember how it was exactly what we needed in that party night was just this other thing. I also remember being like, wow, is this what happens? Like when you're out of college, you can like think to and then purchase a case of champagne. Like this is very mature. It was a very polite, mature thing to do. And um, yeah, that was it. That was a great night. Um, yeah, I think I think looking back on senior year, I think as as we separated, um, and I had my own place, my own room, I should say, and um, you know, one of the things that you know I wasn't sure I was going to talk about today, but I I'll talk a little bit about it. But one of the reasons that led to kind of some disruptions in a lot of my relationships was uh, the realization that uh, I was suffering from clinical depression. Um, I had no idea um, that that's what it was until the be- maybe the early spring um, or, or late winter of of twenty two thousand of the year two thousand. Took an online survey and uh, pretty clearly I had clinical levels of uh, major depression. And so that not knowing that I, I took a lot of stuff out on people and not realizing. Uh, my own pain during that time. And so um, proudly, I still um, uh, get treatment and I take care of myself and do therapy weekly. Um, but that's a big part of like who I became uh, as I understood my own um, struggles, because uh, especially for, for men, um, talking about depression is not a common thing. Uh, it's becoming more common with different with the next generation, but um, I think that was a that led to a lot of my challenging relationships. And thankfully, um, you know, for you and some other people that I let some stuff out on um, before realizing everything, um, you guys kind of stuck by me um, and gave me some space, and then allowed me to come back into the relationship. I know, so. Um, just want to kind of put that out there and um, but yeah that was that was a big part of what led to kind of some disruptions yeah and I think uh, that's really well said and um, I think that you you were dealing with that at a time where it wasn't like a socially acceptable thing right like now it's so much more on the table that it'd be so much easier to realize 
as a 19 or 20 year old now what you're dealing with right i mean um you know it's a big part of the nba now is like mental health and so it, it's that mainstream that guys in the nba are talking about it which is the epitome of mainstream uh but that was tough man you were dealing with it at a different time i mean i was a psychology major you were a sociology major and you know in hindsight a lot of stuff you were dealing with you you sort of just felt like you had to deal with it and you you felt like it was like your own personal quirks you know you talked about the thinking couch right well yeah. like but I think once, uh, once you fully understood and once those that loved you fully understood, uh, it, it, a lot of that stuff made more sense, right? Like you had been trying to do this on your own, which is, I don't know how you did it, man. It's really hard. Um, but, um, but man, you had to go through that at a hard time uh, to go through it, I think. Uh, but I also think that having had that journey is what is making you so good at your current job and all the work you're doing for kids as an adjustment counselor, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but I also just think it, it has helped. I mean, I just think you're an empathetic dude. I just think you, you, you can feel and you can relate empathy to others way faster than the average person. Um, and I think that comes from having gone through the journey that you, you know, you've gone through and you're continually on. So uh, yeah, senior year, you know, it was a, it was a tough, um, tough year for everybody. Cause you know, that that bubble of Wheaton is about to burst. Um, and then you on top of it had that going on. Uh, so I give you a lot of credit cause you still had a, at least from my perspective, you still had a really fun senior year. You still oh, yeah. had a lot of, a lot of good moments, uh, a lot of great moments. Um, so appreciate you sharing it. Um, and, uh, give you a lot of credit for the way you deal with it. Um, both then and now. A um, couple other last things from White House. Uh, can't can't fail to mention how you used to open the book, take bets. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> just an idea I had. I started a uh, start a little book. Um, got the idea from some other guy, of course, and had a little notebook. Had the book, and one of my problems was I didn't branch out much, so I pretty much had about four to five clients. Yeah. Um, at one point, and then it was one, it was one weekend that everyone decided to, you know what, let's go all in against the book. <laughs> I took in about 12 bets on the Patriots versus the Titans, I believe. Um, everything was looking good. Um, so if I hit that, I have a huge payday. Unfortunately, huge interception. I believe Ty Law <laughs> runs it back in overtime. Pat's cover. Um, I'm out close to close to $300, which back then, dead. It's, you know, I like three grand right now. Yes. Uh, so book had to close and uh, yeah, book had to close. <laughs> book had to close. Not it. <laughs> uh, and then the only other thing is I do remember your fleeting yeah. obsession with Diego uh, was the other thing I was going to mention is that <laughs> You still do it, finger slap. The finger practice slap. every night. I remember you like waiting for him to come home to play cards or something, and uh, you just focus. Like, focus. Yeah, focus, focus. That's right, focus. You were all in on Diego for a little while. It's hilarious. Uh, all right, phase seven in our cohabitation was Europe. Uh, yeah. Our trip to Europe. Uh, 
we can make this one quick. It was absolutely awesome. We hit 11 countries, me, you, and Carolyn, my cousin, otherwise known on that trip as Schumann. Schumann. Don't, don't remember why you nicknamed her Schumann, but she was Schumann the whole trip. Yeah, it was some, um, we, yeah, it was a, it was a she's a, a female uh, co- composer. I don't know how she got the nickname. <laughs> but also just go leading into that uh that summer I, I to make some money I had to get I had to get <laughs> I was a landscaper and uh and uh, I remember lying about how long I was going to be there I was going to make it my career in order to get hired there and uh, I was the worst landscaper as well so I would drive around you know this is high-end landscaping so like massive accounts so I had one of those like pretty pretty high-end uh, riding mowers with, with all kinds of ability to turn zero point turn or whatever called <laughs> one of my favorite. I, there's one day in specifically where I literally took the, took the mower accidentally ran into a pot, massive like pot just shattered it, just took off. I took off. And then my favorite, I was, I was, I was doing a backyard and got too close to a, uh, got way too close to a grill. And the thing just sucked the grill cover right off of the grill. And the whole thing broke down. I had to go to the back of the woods. With, I went up to the woods. I had to drag out the grill cover in bits and pieces and threw it into the woods so I didn't get fired. And one other time I saw a couple of bees for some reason. I decided to, to look where they were coming from. I stood on an old uh, tree stump. Whole thing collapsed. Massive hornet nest. Uh, started sprinting, got stung seven times. Um, uh, and then uh, also had to do an ER trip. Uh, <laughs> we just had to sharpen the blades, so you had to change your own blades. So I had to, I had to do an ER, ER trip on my, uh, on my, uh, my middle finger. So, but yeah, Europe, amazing. <laughs> oh, those are great. Those are great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, all I wrote down here were some highlights from Europe. Um, skydiving in the Swiss Alps. You and, you and I jumped out of a helicopter in the Swiss yep. Alps. Uh, still to this day, probably the coolest thing I've ever done. Yes, indeed. It, it's, it makes no sense. It makes Waterfalls no sense that we did that. Into yeah. a cow, cow, cow pasture. Yeah. I love when, like, the skydiving conversation comes up and I just, like, drop the mic when I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I went out of a helicopter in the Swiss Alps. <laughs> now, one thing everyone always asks me, do you get this question too, is, is a helicopter high enough to skydive? Yeah, we were up over, we were somewhere between 10 and 12,000 feet. Okay. I remember that. So I don't think we're quite as high. It's our, like a our, traditional, yeah. Our free fall might have been a little less than okay, if we yeah. out of a plane. Um, but I remember being in the helicopter was terrifying. Even that was terrifying. Uh, so that was one for me. Um, our, our classic bailing on Barcelona where we had done yeah. like booty Lona. Yeah. Booty Lona. We had done four or five nights in London and then we had done four or so nights in Paris Yeah. and we arrived in Barcelona and we were just like cityed out. Like we were just, and I, I think we stayed there one night and then the next day we were like, we're yeah, out of here. Yeah. We went, yeah. And somebody we went tried to pickpocket maybe, me. Yeah. Well, no, someone, so someone tried to pickpocket me on that. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that set us off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we went to, we didn't go to Nice. We went to Sikki's 
Sixties Spain, which was oh it was like Cape Cod south of Barcelona. Yes. And we found oh, this little wow. village. Yeah. And I remember this is gonna sound cheesy, but we were so happy to be sort of on a vacation from our vacation. I remember you and I going in the water as soon as we got there and we played that game. We just yes. stick the tennis ball by the other guy. Yeah. And it was it was like the best game of catch of my life. Never. I think euphoric. we carried that as euphoric. It's Every once in a while, when I get in the water, I'll start trying to play with someone, and like someone will, will lose interest real quick. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But that game was, you know, because whenever we played anything, it was highly competitive. Still to this day, if we ever compete against each other, it's like brothers. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, yeah. That and I remember carrying that tennis ball over the place. And I, to this day, I regret not having spent more time in Barcelona. But I don't regret what we did either. It's like this weird thing where it's like. I'm sure Barcelona's great, but like what we did was the best move at that time. No, that's always the hardest thing when you tell the people about when you do the Europe trip. They, everyone loves Barcelona. Yeah. Everyone. I said, nope. I no. did not. <laughs> no, I did not. Nope. Especially like millennials or newer people, like, oh, Barcelona is so, you <laughs> yeah. know, the art is amazing. And nope. Tim got almost robbed on, what was that street? Las Ramblas? Las Ramblas, that's right, yeah. And Master I remember, Street, yeah. I remember going for a jog, like by where the Olympics were, Olympic Stadium. Yes. So we saw that, that, yeah. And like, now nah, we were out. And Sikis was awesome. Um, another memory I have is of you panhandling outside of Notre Dame. Yeah, with the harmonica. Yep, you made. I money. did. I did receive one. Uh, I think we figured out it was a, a equivalent of a nickel. I <laughs> That's a, hey, I, listen, I wasn't going to say that, man. I just said you yeah. made money. You hey, made listen. Money. It was you literally yeah. panhandled outside of Notre Dame. I was thinking about it the day it was on fire. I, I know. Like, I know. My man, my man's been there panhandling. Um, and then the other one, I have no <laughs> idea what countries we were traveling from, but we were going from one country to oh, another yeah. on an overnight train. Yes. And normally when you would do that, Ugh. So normally when you would do the overnight, there wouldn't be many people on it. But on this one, it was standing room only. It was the worst night of my life. And I remember there was a bathroom. Yes. It was the worst smelling bathroom. <laughs> you could ever, ever imagine. We had our, we, we all, this is so fun to think about too. Like even in preparation, we sewed together. We all made sleep sacks. So these like, these sheets, we all sewed together and you put a pillow in there. So I literally took my, there was no, like, I came in, I don't even understand what was going on and why there were so many people on the train. It, it, and it had something to do with Germany. Germany was involved somewhere there. Okay. And just, there was, I couldn't take the noise or something. I couldn't take being around people. And so I just took the sleep sack, threw myself into the, just the nastiest bathroom you oh, can imagine, and slept disgusting. on the floor. It was probably wet. Um, and I just, just one, I, I don't know if I did vomit, but. I slept the whole night in a, just a toilet room. Disgusting. But, but we were that tired. Like it wasn't. Oh yeah. You couldn't not, it was the most disgusting thing ever. And you couldn't not do it. You had to do it. Had to do it. Had to do it. Um, that actually makes me think of one more memory is what me and you used to do to Carolyn, which is we'd be on the train. We'd be just sitting there normally, the three of us. And then we'd go into one of those Europe tunnels where yeah. it's like literally there's no lights on the train. There's nothing. Yeah. It is, it is, it redefines darkness. You can't yeah. see a thing. Yeah. So even though there'd be all these other people on the train, you and I, while we were in the tunnel would rip our shirts off. Yeah. Or 
<laughs> or go move to another scene. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to think about, like, literally, like, what train today has no, like, little LED light? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. You couldn't it's see your hand black. in front yeah. of you. You could not see your hand. Oh, we would get her every time with something stupid. Oh, it's great. Um, anything else stick out for you on Europe? I know I kind of bogarted those. Yeah, no, this one of the funny, some of the funny things, one other hilarious one was we rented uh, mopeds, scooter type things in Switzerland. Yes. And um, the three of us, and we went to some ice caves, again, amazing stuff. But uh, of course, you were like, hey, let's we could spin out on this thing on this gravel, like, and you did it very casually. I'm like, yeah, I could do it. Spun the thing out, just broke. I broke the mirror. It's a rented thing. We probably gave like whatever, just scraped up my hand, bleeding out of my just my my whole hand bleeding. So I had to take a t shirt. I don't know where, I don't know if I had a t shirt underneath my, my coat, and I wrapped the t shirt on my hand. And when we oh. delivered it back, we were terrified that, that he was going to charge me um, for the damage because I think I just destroyed the, the mirror, but he didn't, they didn't say anything. So uh, I remember that. I had totally forgotten about that. And that yeah. was scary because, I mean, we were backpacking. We had everything yeah. on our backs. We had enough money for like, I think it was like 60 bucks a day is what I had or something yeah. like that. You, you had, that included like lodging. Uh, so that's terrifying yeah. <laughs> to crack, crash a moped. Uh, oh, man. But that was like, of all the things I don't regret in my life, that trip is a major don't regret. That was the yeah. best. Carolyn was a great companion, and you were a great companion. That was amazing. Um, all right. Our last stop in cohabitation is two years at 11 Price. Uh, 11 Price Road, Alston, Massachusetts. Um, we got back from Europe um, and I did not want to be home. I was ready to start my life somewhere and I, Boston was choice number one. Um, so I quickly went into, we got back on November 15th and I think we were in 11, we were in 11 price in December. December. So I don't know. I, we must've got back and started looking within a week, um, which is pretty fast now that I think of it that way. Um, so uh, Levin Price, me, you, Myrick, Yergs, and Bruno. Those are the five official residents. We, of course, yes. had McCullum, we had Nino, we had Donro a lot, but we had five official residents. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories is when I was, uh, when we were trying to put it all together, and me, you, Myrick, and Yergs were there looking for places and we needed a fifth guy yeah. is this right yeah. and I called that's when I called Bruno because he was living at home in Framingham okay because we need a fifth guy and I remember being on the phone with Bruno and Myrick's in the backseat of the car being like who's this Bruno guy I don't I don't know if I can live with this Bruno guy and he's literally talking to Yurgs and of course Yurgs is not talking him down at all he's like I know I can't believe you're gonna live with this guy <laughs> And, so, and I'm on the phone with Bruno, who at the exact same time is saying, Myrick, Jeremy Myrick. Yeah. I don't know that guy. I don't know if I can live with that guy. <laughs> and I'm trying to talk him through it without letting Myrick know that he's talking about him. And meanwhile, Myrick's talking about Bruno at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> I, I remember that. 
<laughs> distinctly. Um, what are your sort of early memories or what are your big memories of 11 price? Um, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of hanging out, kind of like a, a re re imagination of the common room happened. Um, yeah, so that, that was good. I also remember having an awful job, an awful job. So, um, uh, <laughs> it's an awful job. I won't go into it, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, and then just a lot of, a lot of, uh, as I was getting to know myself more with the with the depression, just lots of nights just in my room, um, <laughs> where other people were partying, and uh, people were wondering what I was doing. But uh, yeah, so what else do I remember from there? I mean, we had it was certainly in a good way. It was such a safety net between college and life because we were in life. We had bills to pay. We had to go to the laundromat. We had a yeah. miserable first jobs. But you're right. I think the common room one is a good, it's a good way to say it. Because when you get home after all this, you could sit in the, the common room and uh, sort of uh, digest this miserable new life together. And then on weekends, you could party as if you were in college. Uh, so that, that part of it, I thought, was really healthy. I also uh, remember the, um, we created a boy band called called beeline yes yeah and so we came up with i know we came up with two songs um there was one, our first our first single we signal uh beeline obviously for the train the beeline um and then uh our first uh, single was going to be love because we, we yeah. realized that we had to come out with something soft yeah to bring everyone in and then our next song was much more aggressive yeah. um and so we had some lyrics for that. I don't think we ever actually came up with lyrics for love. We just said we had to have, that was be our first single. And then our, our next song was much more um, aggressive and had full lyrics. So uh, that was fun. I still remember thinking of, of the Beeline crew. And then our, our third song was coming right down the middle with Meet Me at Government. Oh, Meet Me at Government. That's right. <laughs> Meet Me at Government. Meet Me at Government. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, some good memories there. We also had the Patriots for a Super Bowl there. We had such obsession with sports. I remember I was working at Fenway, and you were obsessed with Pedro Martinez. Oh, so yeah. I remember you watching Pedro pitch was like it was like religion for you watching that guy pitch. Actually, a lot of people don't know this, and this is um, so the the year the Patriots won, right? I because uh, they won. They won. I know there was the the snow game against the Raiders, right? Yep, that was our first big night there. And uh, then they won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl on. Um, how did they win it? Was it Vinatieri won the Super Bowl as well? Yep, over the Rams. Okay. So I actually people don't realize this. So I was a huge Bears fan. Everyone knows Bears lost. Bears um, weren't in the Super Bowl, and I hated the Patriots, but. I'm not kidding. I swear I did this. I'm not lying to you guys. I when when it looked like the Patriots going to lose, I think the Super Bowl. I went to the kitchen of that Eleven Price and literally got on my knees and prayed <laughs> that the Patriots would win, so you guys would be happy. Oh, that's great! I thought yeah, you were going to say the I, opposite. That's great. Yeah, no. 
and I still like, and I, every once in a while I get mad to myself because every once in a while I go in and out of what I believe in or whatever, but yeah, I'm so mad I did that. Um, that was 20 years ago, almost. Oh, ago. that's awesome. Yeah. I remember this, like, cause you guys were all into it. And I, I could care. I couldn't care less. So, uh, and yeah. we were so into it. I mean, yeah. led by Bruno, but we were yeah. all so into it. Remember the time Bruno came home in the AFC championship game was at like one and it was like, 11 in the morning and we were all still sleeping yeah and he just started yelling at the top like so mad at all of us for not honoring the game by being awake two hours early or whatever it was um <laughs> i remember don Rowe living on our porch um he would move for gentle giant like 12 hours a day he would sleep until the last possible moment he wasn't even brushing his teeth at that time before work because yeah. he wanted to, he just would wake up and literally get on his bike. There was no step in between to get to work on time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, we partied a ton with the Fairfield girls too. I remember that. Yeah. The only other, one of my, there's tons of memories, but the other one just, I think we laughed about this the other day, but just when Bruno was late, Bruno worked on a trailer for Enterprise <laughs> Rent-A-Car. Yeah. He was late one day and just punched a hole in the wall. More <laughs> at the top of his lungs. Um, he had like a bad suit on, and he had to get to work. We all had in that place so many downs. Like it, you know, it, it life was good, of course, but like we all had to deal with some pretty big things. Uh, you know, I, that's when me and that's when Della broke up with me for a while, which was yeah. one of my biggest downs ever. Um, Bruno just struggling through that, that job and then struggling through not being like sporty's Bruno that runs Wheaton college, suddenly just being like Michael in, at Boston, Boston, you know, um, Myrick just plowed through jobs, trying to find a calling and couldn't find one. Where are you? Um, yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about it in preparation for this and I was, I really liked that time because I feel like we needed each other to get through that time of life. Like we brought each other just enough joy as a house to make navigating the beginning of real world uh, work. But I was thinking like what each of us did, like I remember Bruno, like, although we joke about it, like that dude always went to work, oh, yeah. always went to work. Like he just, and he's been really successful in his career, very successful. And you could see it then his job sucked, yeah. but he, he always went to work. Right. And then, um, you know, I think Jurg's, Jurg's like showed right away, like he just sort of had a disdain for the normal steps of life, like things that he was told to care about. He just didn't care about at all. Uh, like we were all sort of on these steps towards like, what is our life going to be? And he was yeah. like, I, I, no, none of that. I'm not playing any of that game. Yeah, you take what, yeah. take what came to him. He was very yeah, yeah organic. Yep. A lot of people was, say, oh, I'm looking for, I have like, you know, younger people will tell me, oh, yeah, I'm looking for a relationship. I want it to happen organically. I'm like, okay, do you go anywhere? You're not going to meet yeah. me. Okay, do, there's online apps now. Go <laughs> do something. Do something. Yeah, because yours he, had one job with, it, that I think Janu hooked him up with. And I, then, IBT. Yeah, IBT. And, yeah. And then Donro hooked him up with his next job. And then even when he fell in love with Hillary and just like they were always in our living room and we're like, dude. Eating subs, yeah. He just didn't, he just didn't care. He had no, he had no respect for the rules of society at all, <laughs> uh, which was great. He also had ointment. Remember, he used to rub ointment on his back. Yeah, he was a big ointment guy. I had a couple of psoriasis, I think. A couple of psoriasis. 
And then you were, I, I, you were a good lesson at that time too, because even though you were part of our, sounds corny with this podcast, Ron, but you were part of our 11 Price tribe, you were also very good at honoring your personal journey. So like you said, you know, you would disappear for times. You would, there was stuff you were doing for yourself. Yeah. And even though you were with us, you, and that was important. Like I, I needed to learn that in my own life because sometimes I honored the journey of everybody more than I would like reflect on myself. Uh, and you were good at that. And then I remember with Myrick, like if, if I got a lesson from Myrick, it sounds funny, but like, I just loved how he was like all into the better things of life. Now, granted, he didn't seem to have many jobs and we yeah. never knew how he could do it. But like, he like had by far the best bedroom. He would have the coolest TV. He would get the newest laptop. He would get yeah. a cell phone that was better than everybody else. And uh, it seems goofy, I guess, but like, that was important. Like kind of watching him find a way to get stuff he wanted, uh, which, which made his life better. I thought that was cool. I remember he had the king bed before I ever even knew what a king bed was. Yeah. Never seen a king bed before. And that thing was just massive. <laughs> massive. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. So 11 price. I had a blast living with you guys there. That was, that was awesome. Um, all right, man. Well, this has been great, but now I need to hear about your current life, man. Tell us, uh, I ask you some questions and give me some answers. Where are you living? Well, right now I'm in uh, Skokie, Illinois which is a suburb of Chicago, just outside Chicago, border just, Chicago. Yep, just um, outside. Chicago is a large geographic area. Um, so I say that, uh, but yeah, uh, Skokie, um, it's a very diverse, um, mostly middle-class community. Um, yeah, with my wife, two kids. Uh, Names, my, ages? My son Samuel is four, uh, five years old, and my daughter Olivia is two. We call my son Sammy, my daughter Livy, um, for the most part. And how long have you and Adiola been married? So we've been married since 2012. So this will be eight years in the okay. summer. Uh, met in 2010. Uh, eHarmony. So before um, on a dating app. So get on those apps, single. Single Get on people. those apps, single people. I agree. If I was single, I'd be yeah, on every be one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that's good. So, Sam, what's Sam like? What's Sammy like? So, Sammy's a good kid, uh, smart kid, um, kind of emotional. He can get emotional pretty quickly. Um, so, trying to, I try to do my social work stuff with him. Uh, to slow him down a little bit. I think I project much more onto my son than my daughter. I'm much more, um, for whatever reason, there's something with like my son that I'm more like anxious about um, wanting him to develop properly, if you will. Um, so uh, he's really creative. He's a good artist, actually. Uh, really cool drawings and things like that. So he's in a couple art classes. and um, But yeah, he's, he's a big Big, big laugh. Good kid. Nice. Um, when I was out there, we went to one of his soccer practices. Is he still playing soccer? Is he? Is he yeah, actually, actually, last two weeks ago, I put up a net, a pretty large net from Aldi. I don't know if you're an Aldi fan. Aldi has <laughs> the this one aisle, and Aldi has all this like fun stuff all the time, and it's super cheap. It's like probably 
if, if something on Amazon is $150 in, at Aldi, it's about $29. So you could get it. I have this full size soccer net pretty much. I got it for about 30 bucks. So I, nice. I staked that into the ground. So we play that almost every day uh, during the during the uh, COVID situation. Um, so he likes that. And Here's a question with that. If you're in the goal and he's taking shots, are you letting them go in? Oh, yeah. Here and there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm not a, not I'm not a trophy. I wouldn't get to trophy guy yet, but I'm also not a dick. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also trying I, to survive survive multiple hours of this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm hitting that point with Mela, who's 13, where it's like, at what point do you you play her totally for real and one on one, you know? Um, and at what point do you still kind of hold back? Uh, and what about Livy? What kind of kid is she so far? She's uh she's super goofy, super funny, um, just kind of silly. Uh, I love. I mean, I love both my kids. They're they're wonderful. Best things, obviously, best thing ever happened to me. Um, but uh, she's just I don't know how to describe it. She's just witty, really funny. Loves to dance and uh, be silly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I gotta say, like you know, we. Our group of friends, which is a large group and which is a tight knit group, um, we're all very lucky in the sort of family lives that we've created. But um, one of the things that impresses me about you so much is you have an incredible family. You are a tight knit group. You are close to your family. You're close to Addie's family as well. But the four of you really seem to me from afar to be a really strong unit. Um, and you have done that in a, you have created that in a separate place, right? Like I live literally next door <laughs> to where I grew up, right? Donro, you know, lived in Hamden for a long time. Um, Jurgs lives in Plymouth. Bruno lives in uh, Framingham. Like, so Janu's not far from where he grew up. You know, our crew, most of us haven't gone far. Um, and I know you had some Midwest roots, but still, man, I give you such credit. You, your little group of four, you have created quite a career for yourself and quite a family for yourself in a, in a different place um, without much built-in infrastructure, uh, which is a true credit to who you are, my man, uh, without yeah. a doubt. I think that's, I think for me, yeah, for me, by moving away is what I needed to do to have any chance of developing, actually. Um, yeah. just because I, I am pretty impersonable if that's the right word where um, if I'm around I kind of can fall into whatever the majority is doing and kind of you know even thinking back to when you know I got into VHS's with Jurgs because he liked that or you know so me branching out was was my pretty much looking back is like the only way I not the only way I could survive but only way I could kind of figure out my own path um, Cause every once in a while I'll think about what if I were back on the East coast and I didn't necessarily have, uh, I didn't have a lot of like high school connections or anything like that. And my family was very disconnected from the East coast too. So although I built up tons of great relationships on the East coast, um, I was open to leaving when I was in a different relationship to going out to Chicago. And then uh, when that relationship ended, I had to figure out, what I want to do. And I, and I, I'm very happy. I stuck 
to my guns and kind of hung in there. And like you said, try to figure it out myself. Because if I had gone back, I don't think I could develop. Uh, for me, uh, my personality almost needs space to kind of figure out things myself versus uh, uh, I'm just easy to just kind of get sucked into whatever I think I'm supposed to do in a weird way. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's exactly what I guess I'm saying. And that's it's, it's cool that that's something you gave thought to as well. Um, you're a social worker or an adjustment counselor at a huge high school, right? Yeah, social worker. Um, um, yeah, I was a social worker in my, in my fifth year at a, a, a suburban high school just outside Chicago as well. It's a town over from where I live. 3,500 students, 40% um, white, 30% black, 20% uh, Hispanic, Latino, 11% uh, Asian. And then, uh, yeah, so it's a, uh, you have the rich of the rich and um, because of Northwestern money, Northwestern University is in Evanston, Illinois. Um, and then you have uh, bordering this, uh, the north side of Chicago, so South Evanston, uh, does have a lot of uh, trouble with gangs and uh, poverty and things like that. So it's this unique community that uh, strives to do good things. Um, so it's kind of like the perfect sweet spot for me in my career because I've had some other jobs. This is my third uh, school job since 08. So I've, I stay at my jobs for a long time. So that's good. Uh, so I did a therapeutic day school and then a charter school in the city. Um, and then this school, and I hope to be at this school for my whole career. Yeah, you, I mean, we don't have to go deep into the details, but I know how good you are at that job. I know how much you care about those kids. Again, your ability to empathize, I know, plays a major role in the success you have with kids. And last year, you even won some big award in the district, right? Uh, Employee of the Year and Student Support Services yeah. or something, which yeah, is- thank you, thank you, sir. Yeah, I got a employee of the year of student services, um, which is a department over a hundred people. Yeah. And then I got a state award um, for those who excel award. Um, and uh, through the Illinois State Board of Education. So um, yeah, and probably one of my biggest things I do that I love it. And if anyone is in the field of any type, definitely supervise interns. So if you have a chance to take interns on whatever field you're on, do it. I, I supervise, uh, right now I supervise three master's level uh, interns. Oh, wow. Work interns. I've been doing that since uh, 2015. So I supervise a second year uh, MSW master social works, uh, which is three days a week. And then a first year, which is two days a week. And then run uh, groups of revision for nine second year social work interns. So uh, supervising interns is, is amazing. And I highly recommend it uh, for anyone. That's awesome. Whatever man. field you do. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and congrats on the awards. Um, well, listen, man, we lived together as we just reviewed for six years. Um, you are more than a friend to me. You are certainly a brother. Um, I, I'm glad you have put together the life you have in Chicago, but I would give anything for you to live in New England so I could see you more often. Um, but, um, you know, we, we could have gone through 4,000 more memories just as easily. I know we were both thinking of memories we didn't share even more, way past what we were sharing. Um, 
but I will say, man, you, uh, you were my most important relationship at a very important part of life. Um, and, um, you've really taught me a couple of things. You've taught me to be real and honest with myself, um, which I learned from you, from watching you, from talking to you that I, you know, you, 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 you know, Holden Caulfield coined the, the phrase fake, uh, in the catcher and the rye, but you perfected it, man. You used to always call out anything that was fake. And, uh, I do it still to this day because of that. But I think most importantly, you used to, you, you believe in people not being fake to themselves. Uh, so I learned that from you. And then I've just also learned, um, deep reflection from you, man. Uh, I know that what you've dealt with has in some ways forced you to be deeply reflective, but I also think that's a trait you have as a person and from being so close to you, it has taught me to always reflect deeply on my intentions, on my actions, on my thoughts, on my emotions. Uh, so I've gotten a lot from you, man. And, uh, this has been an incredible conversation. I really appreciate you joining uh, me on this podcast. Yeah, if I, um, if I could uh, return the favor, I will say that, uh, yeah, by, by meeting you at the time I met you, I mean, my whole life has changed. I'll say that. I was, like I said before, coming from where I grew up and with my family, my family was very just kind of, uh, we become closer, but I'll say I was kind of, I, I was kind of to myself a lot. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I met you and then when I got to live with you for all those years, I was forced to be a social um, day in, day out. And which was not my MO at all. And, and, you know, it wasn't a, a it wasn't a joke that I literally thought I was into science and technology and yeah, engineering. Um, but uh, it was my relationship through you and, and even talking about how I, you know, did, did, I did, you know, idle people and I did, you know, look up to people and was impressionable. So I picked up a lot of your qualities and your interests and then found my own path through there, you know, um, so without kind of that relationship, it's kind of sometimes scary. You also gave me a lot of confidence to you, you, for whatever reason you thought I was, a, you know, not to be like dramatic, but you thought I was a good person. You thought I was funny and I, you know, and so uh, having that confidence, which I didn't have at all for myself um, allowed me to over to long periods of time kind of come into my own. Um, so, I always think about you when I, when I think about my career, you know, even kind of in terms of the idolization, you know, and, and looking up to like a big brother almost that I didn't, you know, I had a big brother, but we weren't close. So, um, you know, I tried to be a teacher. I tried to be a basketball coach, you know, probably subconsciously to kind of follow your path and uh, both things didn't go perfectly. Um, definitely not the teaching, uh, but, uh, and I found my own way with coaching a little bit, but yeah. So, I mean, without meeting you, uh, it's, it's sometimes scary or even like so weird to think about because, uh, you know, because of who you bring around you and how much you believe in relationships, how much you constantly seeking out, uh, experiences, if you will, with other people, 
that just kind of pushed me way past my boundaries. Um, and so I'll always uh, be grateful um, to you. And, and like I said before about when I was going through the hard part without realizing it and verbalizing it to you, you didn't turn your back on me. Uh, you and Della did not turn your back on me, even though uh, you easily could have. So, I, I uh, mean, I, I definitely not easily could have, man. I couldn't. You were my guy, always will be. So I appreciate the kind words, man. Sounds like we both needed each other for different reasons. And uh, the six years of living together were great. All the years of friendship since then have been just as good. And uh, love you, brother. Thanks for love joining me. All right. Thank you. Have a good rest of the quarantine. All right, sir. All right. Try to survive. All right, man. Keep it moving, yeah, yeah. Keep it moving, yeah, yeah. To the K I M. Keep it moving, true that. To the K I M. Ain't got no time for shucking and jiving. Uh.